Now, here are your hosts, John Eddie Jr. and Tom Tuttle. Welcome back to Fantasy Fuel. We have an extra special edition of our show for you today. Because it's the 4th of July, we're going to talk about nothing but the New England Patriots. Oh my gosh, please. Let's stop the episode. No yeah, way. no, I I <laughs> contemplated it for about three seconds and realized I don't want to talk about the Patriots for 45 minutes, so we're not. You meant the AFC East. Um, Almost. That would have been pretty much all we would talk about if we talked about the AFC East. Uh, let's not do that. So how about no. we just instead, we talk about our favorite teams because it's the 4th of July and we don't really want to get into a bunch of other people. And the only other thing more patriotic than the Patriots is an eagle. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, we're going to stay in the air and we're going to talk about the Jets and the Eagles today. (laughs) So it'll be fun for us. Hopefully you'll learn a thing or two about our favorite teams. And if not, I think we're going to have fun anyway. I hope so. Before we get to that, We've got a couple of little news items. Uh, yesterday, it was announced that Cam Chancellor was not cleared medically to play again. Mm-hmm. So he's not retiring, but he can't play. So the Seahawks are going to be without Cam Chancellor, but he's still going to get $6.2 million this year and $5.2 million next year. Because that is fully guaranteed for him. Which, after all the contract talks that he and the Seahawks have gone through, he probably deserves to get that money. Although (laughs) it might put them in a little bit of a bind for the rest of, you know, his contract. But it's it's going to be interesting. The the Legion of Boom is basically no more. I mean, who's left? Earl Thomas? That's it. I was going to say Earl Thomas. I don't think that, there's nobody else I can think of. That is, uh, it's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. But, uh, so Seahawks fans, I, I'm sorry to say, uh, we're going to have to come up with a new nickname for when your defense gets back on track, but maybe that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, another interesting bit of news is, uh, we've got the top selling jerseys, uh, as mm. of right now, after the draft and everything that's been done, we have the top 10 selling jerseys on that list are three people from our two favorite teams. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. go down the list right now. No, uh, surprises. Number one selling Jersey right now is Saquon Barkley. He's by far and away the hottest rookie. Everybody wants to see what he can do on the field. He's going upwards of the first round in even redraft leagues. So everybody's (laughs) pretty hyped for Saquon. Uh, Number two on that list is Jimmy GQ, Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) Everybody wants to look as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. And I guess the next best thing would be to wear the same shirt that he wears on Sundays. (laughs) Number three is Carson Wentz. So, Uh-oh. number three in the top NFL 100 list and number three highest selling jersey right now. Not a bad way to start <laughs> yeah. the season. Mm-hmm. And even better to start out the season is he is in front of Tom Brady at number four. <laughs> oh, I'm glad of that, no doubt. Yes. I wish Tom Brady would get off of there, Although get I, off of this list. <laughs> I thought I maybe should have bleeped out that name since we're not supposed <laughs> to be talking about the Patriots today, but... <laughs> I guess I let that one slip. Uh, uh, he who shall not be named. Yes. Uh, number five on this list, Baker Mayfield. 
Numbers mm-hmm. six and seven are both from our teams. Number six, the second quarterback out of Philadelphia in the top <laughs> ten hottest selling jerseys list, Nick Foles. So two quarterbacks from the same team in the top ten yeah. selling jerseys list. That's that's pretty impressive. Well, when one quarterback is your future and you know it, and the other one just won the Super Bowl for you, I'd say it makes sense. It does. It does. It and does. Hopefully the next guy on this list is the future for you guys, Sam Darnold. <laughs> man, oh man, I hope so. Uh, and I, I tell you, to be in the top ten, I'm actually a little surprised. I didn't realize that Jets fans would go out there and buy a bunch of Darnold jerseys just because I kind of think he's not going to play this year, but we'll see. I mean, it, there's a realistic shot that he does play just because we might not be very good at the end of the year, and he's going to get that opportunity, so maybe. Well... I wouldn't say I'm too surprised that he's in the top 10 list right now. I mean, Jets fans have probably been saving their money for a jersey for quite some time. So I just think that <laughs> I think a lot of people got really disappointed when we went out and bought our Sanchez jerseys, and that didn't work out. So I was thinking they might be like, all right, we're going to hold off. We're going to wait and see on Darnold and see if we actually got something before we go spend our money on a jersey that we might not ever wear. That's true, but here we are, another USC quarterback and selling like hotcakes. Uh, Uh Anyway, to round out the top ten, number seven, Marcus Mariota and numbers, Mm -hmm. or that was number eight, I should say, Mariota. Numbers nine and ten, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. So mm-hmm. they're not quite done being America's team, even though they've done nothing <laughs> in the off season, and they're still the hottest selling yep. jerseys out there. Yeah, and they probably always will be. All right, so we will move right on into the New York Jets for Tom. But before we do, I have one interesting news item. Last year, around this time, in July of 2017, there was a little bit of a blooper or a glitch on Google. And okay. the search engine had a different person coming up as the owner of the New York Jets. If you searched Google for New York Jets owner, <laughs> it came up as Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was caught and corrected all in the same day. It's not inaccurate. I don't know what I don't know what the problem is. It, it yeah, like you said, it's it's not incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> as Tom Brady has owned pretty much all of the AFC East for about 34 years now. <laughs> but yes, he has. Here we are in July of 2018 and the Jets fans have some stuff to be excited about. Why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Um, well, I'll start with the wide receivers. Um, the Jets kind of have stockpiled themselves a bunch of, what I'd say, mediocre wide receivers. But I don't mind the first four. Uh, the first four would be Anderson, Anunua, Pryor, and Curse. I actually think they're going to be halfway decent I don't really know how the quarterback situation is going to play out but with whatever quarterback they have playing I think all four of these guys can be productive and I wouldn't expect any of the other wide receivers to have any type of fantasy value on that team you mean Devin Smith and Chad Hansen are not going to be yeah there's there's no way people some Jets fans don't even realize that Devin Smith is still on the Jets (laughs) he's been so non-existent since we've gotten the guy that 
I kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, oh, wait, yeah, there's Devin Smith. He's still sitting there. I was like, he's not going to do anything this year. We all kind of know that. Would you say that he's lucky to still be on the team? I would say that. But I, I honestly don't know how he's still on the team. We could have just picked up anybody else, to be honest. But you mean I, like who knows? Lucky Whitehead? Oh, Lucky Whitehead. I see what you were doing <laughs> there. You were, you were doing it. Well, Whitehead's probably going to be returning kicks and stuff like that because he's pretty fast and quick. But I don't imagine him going to do anything else other than that. But I like to get back to the topic here. I like <laughs> Anunwa, and I like Anderson quite a bit. A prior could be a big surprise, and Curse is a guy I always liked. I've always liked Curse, even when he was on the Seahawks, and he could give some value to a fantasy team depending on how the other guys perform because he might be one of them guys that has to be that fill-in type of guy. But he did okay last year, and we didn't have a whole lot last year as far as it, uh, wide receivers went. And we've... We've updated our wide receivers just by getting Anunwa back and healthy. And I do like Pryor. I think he's going to be a surprise. I hope he's going to be a surprise. I did say this on a previous episode. I think it's either three strikes you're out for Pryor or uh, third time's a charm. So we'll see. Yeah, I can I can hope that Terrell Pryor does not repeat what he did in Washington because was, it was so horrible to see because he had such a great year with Cleveland and he had so much potential, and they didn't use him to his ability. So hopefully mm-hmm. Todd Bowles sees that he has a, a different kind of a talent, and he'll actually use him to what he's capable of. There's no doubt he can definitely give the Jets a spark, a a lift, and in the right direction. I mean, he's still decently young. He could still play for quite a while. So if it works out, we might have him for a while, and I hope it works out. But I'm not... My expectations for Pryor are low, and if he does anything above my expectations, I will be a very happy man. Now, before you move on to anything else, I'm just looking at the depth chart here, and Mm -hmm. I see all these wide receivers, and not a single one of them that I expect to be on the field for the majority of the plays has a jersey number in the 80s. (laughs) Or no, Quincy Anunua, 81, Robbie Anderson, 11. Darius Stewart, 18. Devin Smith, 19. Jerome Peak, 17. Trell Pryor, 1. Mm-hmm. Jerome Curse, 10. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Anunwa and Lucky Whitehead, 81 and 82. So, apparently, there's something wrong with the numbers in the 80s for the Jets and wide receivers. <laughs> well, it has something to do with the NFL, too. I mean, back in the day, that was unheard of. I think it was almost... Keyshawn Johnson might have been one of the first guys that have have a number that wasn't in the 80s. Well, he as a started it, and everybody's got to continue it, apparently. Yeah, and I guess the Jets just say, oh, "Hey, Keyshawn Johnson, he had he had a teen number. Let's go, let's do it. All right, I'll do it." But yeah, I don't know. I think that's just kind of the NFL too now. A lot of a lot of people are doing that nowadays. Yep, sure enough, it's fun for a lot of people, you know, and of course those guys that come from college that have all the team numbers they can come right in and they don't have to impede on the veterans that are still all in the (laughs) 80s but uh so why don't you tell me about this muddled situation in the jets backfield we all know crowell is supposed to be the workhorse but there's a lot of guys there yeah and i'm just gonna really talk about three of them because there's 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 probably only three that are going to do anything that we do have a rookie that I'm not going to expand too much about him so I'm just going to go into Crowell Powell and Elijah McGuire Um, I'm looking at Crowell's stats from last year and he had 853 yards and 
which was only an average of 4.1 yards per carry. He only had two touchdowns and only 28 receptions. Now some of that's because Duke Johnson's pretty good at catching the ball. But if you look back at 2016, he had 952 yards, which is not terrible. He's getting close to that 1,000 mark. When he had a, actually a decent average of five, or sorry, I'm giving him too much credit, yeah. of 4.8 yards per carry. He had seven touchdowns, which is decent, and he had 40 receptions. So if I'm a Jets fan, I'm hoping for a 2016 Crowell stats as opposed to last year, which, I mean, it wasn't the worst. He didn't, like, do horrible, horrible, but it just wasn't where you want your starting running back to be. And I'm going to just go right into a Powell. I think uh, he's going to be okay, I think. I don't really know. He's actually been around for quite a while. It seems like he hasn't. I've always said he's the younger guy, but he's actually been around a little while. But last year he had uh, 772 yards rushing, which for being the second back, that's halfway decent. And the only problem with that is he had 4.3 yards per carry, which wasn't that great. He had five touchdowns, which is okay, and 23 receptions, which isn't as much as I actually thought he had. But if you look back to 2016 on him, he had 722 yards, but his average was five and a half yards per carry. So if we can get the Powell from 2016, I think the Jets have a good shot at doing something special this year, but I don't expect that either. Well, if you can get the Crowell and Powell from 2016, yeah. <laughs> that would be one heck of a punch, even for fantasy-wise. Because yes, it would be. Then Crowell, I believe, would be worth his, what, fourth, fifth round ADP right now. If you can get 900 yep. yards, seven yep. touchdowns, and 40 catches, that's enough to be your second mm-hmm. or third or flex. And if Powell can get his numbers... He is well worth his ADP this year because he's probably not even being drafted at this point. Yeah, not too many people. And and another guy that's not being drafted at this point is somebody that I was not high on last year because he simply said a remark that I just don't like coming out of a running back's mouth. He expressed his disinterest in running up the middle on the defense in the reasoning was because it hurts. He gets hit and it hurts. I'm like, what kind of baby is that? I did not like that. But if you look at it, the Jets actually kind of like this guy. Entering his second season in the league, Elijah McGuire is expected to make a push. <laughs> I'm going to hope he's. And it's that's not what a push the Jets. Up the middle. No. <laughs> That's what he said last year, but they're saying he's improving, and they act, they like the way he's looked so far in preseason. But I mean, it's not preseason football yet. But you get my, you know what I'm saying. Yes. But he's expected to make an impact this next year. The running back, he had 377 rushing yards last year, but those within the organization, they see something more out of him. He's only 24 years old, so what they see out of him. Now, don't don't shoot me down right away. This is not me that's saying this, all right? What they see is one of the best running backs ever. They see Ladanian Tomlinson in him. Um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there. <laughs> no, no, this is not me. I, no, I, I already said don't, don't, Sorry. don't blame me. That was me. a really bad office space reference. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is what... Um, Stump Mitchell, the running back coach of the New York Jets, had to say about him. He said, he has a skill set. 
to be a Ladanian Tomlinson if he is given the opportunity. That's not what presents itself to him at this particular point in time, but skill set, he can do it all. Now, I know you already bashed me on the Tomlinson reference. Again, that wasn't me, guys. All right, but Tomlinson had... 13,684 rushing yards in his Hall of Fame career while McGuire is still finding his feet. On the exterior, the comparison seems ludicrous. It seems ridiculous. I completely understand that. But Mitchell believes that this kind of talent out of McGuire can be a Ladanian Tomlinson type of person. And he says, it's probably hard for him to envision, but I just know the skill set he has. And I try to get him to bring those out every day and put that on the field so that the play caller can see all of the things that I'm seeing. And that was that wasn't an exact quote. I kind of added a couple of things <laughs> in there. So if you want to look it up, just go ahead and look it up what he said. But he knows a thing or two about talent. Um because he worked with the Cardinals in 2016 having the pleasure of coaching David Johnson. Ah, there you now, go. Now and that's another comparison. I'm not saying David Johnson is Ladanian Tomlinson. I'm not saying Elijah Maguire is David Johnson either. Like Maguire, David Johnson wasn't a first-round pick. But Johnson broke out. He had two, In 2016, he had 1,239 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns, 879 uh, receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns. Now, Jets fans will hope, and they hope for – anything close to that on McGuire and I'm I am too I'm I'm a little more ox- optimistic about McGuire now that I have uh looked up what the Jets actually think about him and it, and if he does give us anything close anything close to LaDainian Tomlinson or even David Johnson we will all be very pleased and you will be very pleased on your fantasy team as well yeah he's definitely worth a stash in some leagues with a deeper bench or those 16 teamer leagues somebody will have him rostered somewhere and if you drafted him as a rookie obviously you can keep him on your taxi squad and just be okay with not having to waste a normal roster spot on a guy that we only hear about how much potential he has. Yeah, and and that's the problem. Right now it's all hearsay. We don't really see it, and last year I didn't see it on the field. But if he's making that much improvement, I w- I'm really excited to see what he has coming up this year. So there are two positions left on the offense that we haven't talked about. One of <laughs> yeah. them for good reason, because the Jets have no idea what to do or have ever known what to do at the tight end position. <laughs> I'm looking at their depth chart right now. I see Jordan Leggett, Clive mm-hmm. Walford, Christopher yep. Herndon the fourth. Are they ever going to try for a tight end, do you think? Probably not anytime soon. If that actually does happen, I'll be surprised. But as far as the tight ends goes, Leggett's the only one that would have anywhere close to fantasy value. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's pushing it there, too. I wouldn't expect anything out of Leggett. That's all I'm going to say about the tight ends for the Jets. We really never use them. We haven't in a long time. If that ever changes, then we will talk about it. All right. Sounds good. So before we move on, because we will talk a little bit about defenses today as well, since we're just doing the two teams. Before we move on to the defense, I want to know what you hope the Jets do with their quarterbacks this year. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Jets need to start McCown and ride him out unless he starts really being bad somewhere halfway through the season. And then I would put Bridgewater in there and see if he's got anything for us to use. And if that doesn't work out, just 
keep it going with Bridgewater or put McCown back in there. I really don't want to see Darnold on the field this year unless it's the last couple games and you're just trying to get him experience. I don't want him to I don't want him to feel overwhelmed or just look bad. I just want him to get behind a couple guys that have experience and learn. And I really do think McCown is a perfect guy to learn behind and it seems like McCown is extremely willing to to teach Darnold everything he knows and I'm not saying McCown's a perfect quarterback by no means but I do believe that he's a good guy to learn behind. So what you're saying is is you're basically hoping for what the Chiefs did last year. They must have seen the writing on the wall for Alex Smith. They knew they were going to bring in Mahomes. They sat him all year. He learned behind one of the most consistent quarterbacks, and they threw him in there in the last game of the season, and here he is starting this year. So you'd be perfectly happy if that same scenario happened. Well, if the Jets end up being as good as the Chiefs were last year, yeah, I'd be perfectly fine with that. All right. So, the Jets' offense, I think, is promising. Now, the defense, I'm not 100% sure on. They lost Muhammad Wilkerson, Mm -hmm. which he seemed to have checked out last year. We'll see if he checks out with the Packers this year. But uh, walk us through just a little bit of the defense and give us an idea of what you think they're going to do this year. Well, as far as Wilkerson goes, is it a good or a bad thing? I think it's 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 not a good thing if you're thinking about the defense this year. But we are young, and I'm trying to we're trying to rebuild this defense. And I mean, Rex Ryan had it going really good, but a lot of them guys got old and got out, and we don't have anybody else on that defense right now that is really from the Rex Ryan era. I believe in Darren Lee and. I believe in the Jets' defense in general to get to where we want to be. Now, I'm going to ask you a, a little question before we get into the Jets' defense. Okay. And I want you to tell me who you think is the better safety on the New York Jets, either Jamal Adams or Marcus May. Well, I think if you're talking about who might have the better overall career, I'd probably have to go with Adams. But it seems like that may be a trick question. <laughs> and Marcus May may have outperformed Adams last year. No, he didn't outperform him, but he was darn near close and darn near similar to what Jamal Adams had on the field. And I do agree with that Jamal Adams is going to be a very good safety in the future, and he's very good right now. But let's just I'm just going to throw out some of the, the stats that uh, Jamal Adams and Marcus May had. They had com- uh, Adams had a combined 83 tackles, and 20 of them were assists. And he had two sacks. He didn't have any interceptions. Okay. Now let's look at Marcus May. Marcus May had 79 combined and 22 assists. So that's pretty close to what Adams had. And he didn't have any sacks, but he did have two interceptions. So they flip-flopped there. So I I think the thing is, is that what I'm trying to say is that the Jets are pretty set up pretty good for a while with the uh, the what Todd Bowles did a couple years ago in the draft. I actually. It's working out. I really like Adams. I really like May. I didn't expect him to take safeties back to back like that. I didn't. I didn't think it was that good of an idea back then. But looking at it now, I really do appreciate the defensive knowledge that Todd Bowles has, and the New York Jets knew this going into it that these guys were going to be good. And I really am really excited about our backfield safety wise. 
And that's really all I'm going to talk about the New York Jets defense because there's a, still a lot of question marks. But I just I wanted to throw that out there and tell everybody that Marcus May is actually really, really good. And his numbers are not that far off or at all, really, from Jamal Adams, which everybody is considering to be a really, really good safety. And you just can't forget about the other guys sitting over there in Marcus May. Excellent, excellent. I uh, I am very excited to see what that defense has to bring because I think there's a lot of guys out there in IDP leagues that are going to be overlooked or just plain forgotten about until they start performing during the year. And hopefully I'll be able to pick up a couple of those for cheap or, you know, right off the waiver wire and be able to plug them in. I know I did that with uh, Buster <laughs> Screen like two or three years ago because he was doing getting so many tackles yeah. and that was huge in the leagues we were in because tackles for cornerbacks were basically the big point getters and he was mm -hmm. doing a lot of that whether that meant he was good is a different story but <laughs> he was good in fantasy and that's all that I cared about yeah and that's what this show is really about and I haven't really said much about fantasy but I, I'm telling you Jamal Adams and Marcus May will still be very good fantasy guys to have on your team especially if you're in a dynasty IDP league you can go ahead and get either one of them or both of them I don't have a problem with that I think they're both going to be there for a while and be productive for a while for those of you who aren't huge into NBA uh, yesterday <laughs> was the first day of free agency, and yep. there were many normal moves, a lot of people staying in the same spot, but LeBron James did move on like we all thought he would, <laughs> and he is now a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, why is this even close to fantasy relevant? Eh, it's not, but <laughs> last year, LeBron James declared his favorite player in the league as Carson Wentz. So <laughs> I have a bit of a soft spot for LeBron James after he said that. <laughs> and here, here's a little bit of what he actually said. He says, my favorite player right now is Carson Wentz. I told my brother that early in the season that I just love the way he plays the game, the way that he's able to get to progressions throughout the course of a three-step drop or a five-step drop. And if everything breaks down, his ability to run, get outside the pocket, either make passes or get yards with his feet. He's a very smart player from the outside looking in, obviously, and they've got a really good team. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a Browns fan, but I'm a fan of sports, and I know sports. So from who can be considered one of the greatest players of all time in basketball, saying yeah. that he's a big fan of Carson Wentz, that, that's, that's pretty cool because it's what I think, and obviously we've only got less than two years' worth of uh, production out of Carson Wentz and everybody's saying oh he's only got two years and why is he number three in the NFL top 100 he doesn't deserve it yet <laughs> but when guys like LeBron James are saying he's a very smart player you got to take you know a little bit of that into consideration so for those yep. guys that are Wentz naysayers I say just hold your horses uh, Wentz isn't the guy out there talking crap and you know, all that and saying, look at me, look at me. He, he's not that guy, and neither no. is his backup, Nick Foles. So mm -hmm. for once in our life, the Eagles players are not the ones being bashed all around. We're the good guys for the first time in a long time. We're not <laughs> throwing batteries at Santa Claus or snowballs at Santa Claus, whatever it was. We're not doing that. We're actually the good guys this year, and it's hard for even Cowboys fans to say, bad stuff you know considering lebron james is a cowboys fan 
But <laughs> anyway, uh, that's enough uh, yeah. about LeBron James. <laughs> I've got a couple more uh, interesting stories for the Eagles before we get to the fantasy aspect of it. Okay. Uh, did you know that the Eagles were the only team to ever beat Vince Lombardi's Packers in the playoffs? I did not know that. It's interesting. Obviously, the NFL trophy was named after Vince Lombardi. But every year he went to the playoffs, he won everything. Before it was the Super Bowl, when it was just the NFL championship game, uh, he only lost one. And it was in the NFL championship game in 1960 to the Eagles. And I thought that's pretty cool. We are the only team that can say we beat Vince Lombardi in the playoffs. <laughs> so That's pretty cool. I mean, Vince Lombardi is by far a legend beyond legends because he's always going to be remembered no matter what you do because that trophy has not been changed to the Belichick trophy yet. Not yet. <laughs> so, and, and if it ever does, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. And, of course, it's even a little more sweet. Uh, since we live in Wisconsin, and I can <laughs> say that we're the only ones, the only ones that beat yeah. Vince Lombardi in the playoffs. So lots of bragging rights to all your relatives and friends that live in Wisconsin. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I have a question for you now. Okay. Uh, there's only one player in NFL history that has recorded a sack, a fumble recovery an interception, and a touchdown all in the same game. Do you know who that was? A sack, a fumble recovery, interception, and a touchdown all in the same game. <sighs> I can give you a hint. It was in yeah, 2002 a in a loss to the Houston Texans. Do you need one more hint? <laughs> Maybe. Give me, make it super easy so I can't. I can't well, I don't know how easy it is, but he <laughs> is going into the Hall of Fame this year. Oh, dang it. I st- <sighs> <laughs> it's not Terrell um, Owens. Yeah, I don't know. Just tell me. That is Weapon you didn't give X me multiple choice. Brian Dawkins. Dawkins, okay. All right. Who? It was my <laughs> favorite safety of all time. Uh, our current safety, Malcolm Jenkins. He's been a soft spot for me because I never played IDP really when Dawkins was at the peak of his yeah. game. And yep. I've had Malcolm Jenkins in at least one league every year since he's been an Eagle. So, But, yeah, Brian Dawkins going into the Hall of Fame this year, and he's going to actually have a, another member of that same Eagles defense, Troy Vincent, do the honors uh, when he's introduced into Canton. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I'll give you that. Now, one more little story before we get to my <laughs> fantasy, just because, you know, I love talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, the Eagles team that reached the Super Bowl uh, in 2004, they went 13 and three in the regular season, just like our Eagles of last year. They beat the Vikings and the Falcons before losing to the Patriots in 2004. We beat the Falcons and then the Vikings before beating the Patriots in the last Super Bowl. <laughs> so. Yeah. There was such a deja vu feeling about this last year, and I thought it was pretty cool that it just aligned. I mean, it's 14 mm-hmm. years in between those, so it's not like it was even the same players on any of the teams where it would be like, okay, well, yeah, back-to-back years, they just ended up all playing each other again. No, it was 14 years ago. But I think yeah, the best part about last season was the fact that our very own Tom Tuttle 
last year, ran some <laughs> simulations, and he basically predicted the Eagles to win the Super Bowl about halfway through the year. Can you explain a little bit about what happened with that? Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna set this up a little bit now. Before we started our podcast, I have always said that sometimes I have a way with predicting things, and I I know that we do our ESPA at the end of our shows usually, and we're not always 100 percent correct. But on this one, I was 100 percent correct. I predicted that the Patriots would be in the Super Bowl playing against the Eagles and it was this was almost immediately after Carson Wentz went down with his injury and the only reason I said this was because um, I thought there was some kind of conspiracy theory <laughs> going on with the with the NFL and Roger Goodell and Belichick and and Tom Brady even was in on this they they wanted Tom Brady to look like he was the best quarterback of all time, hands down, and it can't be Carson Wentz in the future. So even if Carson Wentz wins five more Super Bowls, they can say, well, yeah, he can win five Super Bowls on a team that doesn't even need him because they won against the Patriots with a backup quarterback. So my theory was that this was going to happen because the Patriots were going to let it happen so that Tom Brady can be named the best quarterback of all time, hands down, and you don't have to have that argument uh, against Tom Brady and Carson Wentz in the future because there's a possibility that Carson Wentz could be getting more Super Bowl wins in the future. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying I had a very ridiculous claim that that was going to happen, and I just made something up to back it up. And also, you ran some little simulations of your own and in one of those simulations you said if the eagles happen to beat the redskins both times yep. during the regular season that they yep. would be winning the super bowl because we haven't been able to do that and i don't know how many years we beat the giants twice we've beat the cowboys twice but we cannot seem to beat the uh, Redskins, and what's even worse about that is that we would always win uh, against the Redskins in D.C., and the Redskins would always beat us in Philly. So yep. when we swept them this last year, it was so out of the ordinary that you said if that happens that they're they're going to win it all. And we rolled that all year long, every single week. <laughs> it was like it's it's here, it's coming. The Atlanta this, game is like, oh my God, we still have a shot, and yeah, yeah. this I, I'll give a, a people a little bit of insight of what that simulation was. I ran simulations on the Eagles. I did it on the Jets too because you know, obviously I'm a Jets fan, but um, I did it with the Eagles. And every time the Eagles lost to the Redskins in the simulation, the Eagles didn't have a very good record, and then. Every, and the one time that they beat the, the Redskins both times, didn't matter what they did against the other players. They ended up being the best team in football. Now, these simulations are, aren't, I'm not going to say they're like the best possible thing. And don't ask me to do simulations <laughs> for your favorite team because I'm not going to do it. But it was really kind of hilarious that it ended up being that way. And it, if you look at past history, it kind of backs itself up. Well, I can't argue with it because <laughs> all of it came true so maybe we'll do another one of those on the air uh sometime when the season starts and see if we <sighs> I'll can have capture to think about that it. 
on air for all of eternity yeah. so we can go back and say, look, we did it. I mean, <laughs> I can vouch for you in the other one, but we didn't capture it on yeah. audio or on paper anywhere to prove yeah. any of it happened. But that was that was one of the most fun parts of last year up until <laughs> the Super Bowl, which almost ruined for me. Uh, when you were texting me during the Super Bowl because <laughs> I was having issues. We're in Wisconsin. It was snowing. It snowed a lot the day before, and my satellite dish was being really, <laughs> really stupid. I ended up getting it figured out, but then halfway through or three-quarters of the way through the fourth quarter, all of a sudden a box pops up and says, your satellite connection has been disrupted but it was still going, but the box was still there, and I couldn't get rid of it. So I did what I could do, and I found a stream of it, and yep. I got the stream going. But, of course, if you're familiar with streaming anything, it was about a minute or so behind what the actual live stream or the live TV was. So after a kickoff... I was seeing stuff that I'd seen just a minute before, and all of a sudden I get a text from Tom with a garbled blah, 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 exclamation point, and I didn't know what that <laughs> meant. I didn't know if that was good or bad, and then I shouldn't have looked at it, but curiosity got the best of me. And then I got another text message that just said, yes, with exclamation points. I'm like, okay, something good happened, and I'm watching the TV, and that's when Tom Brady fumbled the football and Derek Barnett recovered, and I was like, well, that's awesome, but it almost took a little bit of the wind out of my sails for the excitement factor, even though it was <laughs> the, one of the best plays you, of that game. Yeah, you did not have to look at my text messages. I did not. That is completely your fault. It is not my fault that, at all. That, but <laughs> I will point out that who was it that fumbled the ball? Well, Tom Brady fumbled the ball. Tom Brady. So Tom Brady, Belichick, and Goodell were all in on this, and they made that prediction. And I'm telling you, that's what happened. He did it on purpose. All right. Conspiracy theories <laughs> are done now, and we'll move on to the actual fantasy portion of our Philadelphia Eagles. You think they're done, but yeah, maybe Yeah, well, not. no, they're definitely not done. They're done this episode. That's all I need. Okay, so the Eagles offense last year was amazing. Uh, Carson yeah. Wentz, obviously would have been the number one quarterback overall if he had not gotten hurt. Well, his receivers yeah. were good, not great, mm -hmm. but Elshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar actually finished enough to be wide receiver twos, the both of them. Barely, but they were both wide receiver <laughs> twos. Yeah. Elshon Jeffrey actually was tied for eighth in the league in drop rate, the good kind of drop rate, as in not dropping the balls. So he went from having not the greatest drop rates with the Bears to tied for eighth overall in the league. Now, does that say something about Carson Wentz? Does it say something about Alshon Jeffrey and not wanting to play yeah. in Chicago? What does that say? <laughs> I think Alshon Jeffrey was done in Chicago before mm -hmm. he was actually done in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't say the best things about him as a player if he's willing to check out like that. But since he's come to Philadelphia, he has been nothing but a hard worker, and he played yep. through an injury last year. He had a shoulder injury, and with all that, he still finished number 24 in fantasy in PPR mm -hmm. and eighth for drop rate. Now, we didn't get many Eagles on our team in the last draft we did, but we did get Alshon Jeffrey, 
and we got him yep. for very cheap compared to what all the other receivers were going for. So I was very excited to get him for that. Yeah. Um, and then of course we still have uh, well we just got Mike Wallace, who I believe is an mm-hmm. upgrade over Tory Smith. I don't yep. think he'll be too fantasy relevant, but if you're in a deep league and you need somebody for a bye week, you can stick him in there and hope he gets that one long bomb for a touchdown. Now, I do have something to say about Mike Wallace oh, if you okay. want me to. Yeah, go ahead. Now, I want to make a case for Mike Wallace. Okay. By comparing him, I want to compare him to the guy that he's replacing on the Eagles roster from last year, and that was Torrey Smith. All right. Now, Wallace, Wallace has been over 700 yards receiving every year except one time since he's been in the NFL. So, I mean, that's some kind of consistency. It's not superb. It's not amazing, but it's it's, it's something. The last time Torrey Smith was over 700 yards was in 2014. Oh so boy. it's been quite a while that Torrey Smith has even really had a relevant season. Now, here's what I'm saying about Wallace. because He's, he's better than Torrey Smith. There's hands down, and, and Wentz is going to see that. I think Wallace has a very legitimate shot to have some fantasy value this year. I'm not saying... He's going to take over for Jeffrey or Aguilar. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that Wallace gives the Eagles something that Torrey Smith didn't give them until later in the season when Torrey Smith actually did want to do something. Yeah, but, that was the best thing about Torrey Smith was even diehard Eagles fans were like, why is he even on the team during the regular season? And yeah, then once yeah. the playoffs hit, he was as clutch as anybody else on the team. Yeah, but uh, Wallace to me is kind of a – kind of a sleeper because he's being overlooked a little bit um here here's the biggest point i'm trying to make on wallace he's going from flacco throwing him the ball to carson wentz throwing him the ball that's what i call an upgrade and don't forget that when he had flacco the last two years wallace had 748 yards receiving last year and in 2016 he had 1,017 yards receiving on 72 receptions. Keep that in mind when you're thinking about Wallace connecting with Wentz or even Foles <laughs> if yeah, Wentz goes well. down again. I'm not I'm not trying to curse anybody or anything, yeah, but conspiracy it could theorists are already here. <laughs> but yeah, I do like Wallace. I, I think he's not going to be amazing because there's a lot more weapons on this team. But I I, I wouldn't turn away Wallace on your fantasy team because I do believe he's going to be successful enough to give you some kind of relevance on your team. Hey, I would take that in a heartbeat. Uh, if we could get <laughs> yeah, three wide receivers that are even remotely fantasy relevant, that means we're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to the Eagles running backs who last year combined for right around 400 carries on the season, which is actually a a decent amount, and that's because our whole offense was working. So when that Mm -hmm. happens, we get a lot of carries. Now, of those 400 carries, uh, they were split up between four guys, Ajayi, Mm -hmm. Clement, Mm -hmm. Blunt, and there was a little bit of Smallwood and Sproles in there before injuries. Ajayi only had 70 carries on the Eagles, and Clement had 74 carries. The majority of them were LeGarrette Blunt, who is gone. Yeah. So there is a lot of carries left to go around after the loss of LeGarrette Blunt. Now, MFL is predicting that JHI gets around 264 carries, which leaves about 140. Now, Clement yeah. only had 74 last year, and the last time Sproles played a full season, he had 94 carries. So right there, it's already 
already done and split up if that's the way it happens again. Yeah. I don't know that Sproles is going to get 94 carries this year. I think no. he still might get some catches because in 2016 oh, yeah. he still had yeah. 52 catches. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting because the MFL predictor, it said 264 carries for 1,146 yards and two touchdowns. Now, <laughs> yeah. if J.H.I. is going to get 1,146 yards, I would <laughs> hope that he gets more than two touchdowns. Yeah. But I think the thing there is that they're kind of saying that he's not the guy within the goal line region. And so I don't know who else it would be on that team besides maybe Clement because, I don't know, the the, the, the Eagles are a wonder of a, of, of a team when it comes to running backs because they don't have Blunt anymore, that guy that can just kind of pound it. So – well, I don't know. We'll see. Yep, that's true. Uh, although they were one of the more, more successful teams in the red zone uh, passing the ball, so it's not like they have to yeah. pound it in there. That's what I was saying. True, yeah. So uh, I guess what I'm saying there is, even though there's been articles out there about J.H.I. being the lead back, I don't think I can trust him as the lead back because right. overall last year, J.H.I. had – 208 carries and mm-hmm. to compare jhi to somebody else who actually had three more points than jhi was amir abdullah over the course of the entire season amir abdullah had three <laughs> more points than jhi and that was on 40 less carries <laughs> uh-huh so i mean and we've not been very high on abdullah no so just be careful with jhi i love yeah. the way he plays but as far as fantasy goes, I can't take him as high as he's going this year. As much as I love any of the Eagles running backs, it, yeah, it's kind of uh, almost a Bill Belichick situation. Yeah, it kind of is. I was just going to say that. Uh, it kind of seems like the Patriots, you know, 2.0. But it works, and that's what makes it. That's what makes it great for the Eagles, and that's what makes it great for the for the Patriots too. I mean, you're both really good teams. You obviously got something going on there that other teams aren't figuring quite out yet. So I would say just keep going with it as far as the Eagles go. But as far as fantasy goes, I lean, and everybody knows this, but I lean towards Corey Clement. But that's just because I like it more. I like the value more where he's being taken as far as what a JHI is going or earlier in the rounds and possibly costing more money in uh, an auction draft. So. Well, I'll move on to the defense really quick, and then we'll do our interesting ESPs this week. Um, (laughs) The Eagles' defense last year was very, very good. This year, they're not missing too many people. Obviously, we've lost Michael Kendricks, and, well, we're losing Nigel Bradham for the first game of the season due to a suspension, but we've got guys to come in right behind him. Uh, We picked up Michael Mm -hmm. Bennett, Derek Barnett's in his second year, Brandon Graham still looks just as good. Jordan Hicks is back from injury, though I am basically just watching him as a ticking time bomb. Oh, my gosh. We both like this guy, but, man, he just does not know how to stay on the field. And then, of course, everybody's talking about the cornerbacks and how we don't have a, a nickel cornerback or a slot cornerback, however you want to call it. But we've got so many good ones on the team this year. <laughs> Uh, yep. Sidney Jones was a first-round talent. I've talked about him in the past. Uh, we still have uh, Russell Douglas. He's also a rookie last year. Jalen Mills mm-hmm. came out of nowhere and was yep. really well last year. Our yep. safeties, Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod, are just mm-hmm. solid. And then we're going to get to 
one of my favorite guys on our defense, and he only played in a few games last year. That's Ronald Darby. Yeah. This guy has been very, very solid ever since he came into the league as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, last year, he played in the first game, got hurt, and was out for about 10 weeks. And we thought that was going to be the end of the Eagles' defensive <laughs> yeah. backfield. <laughs> now, looking at his stats in an IDP league, if you look at it on an average per game basis, he was 12th overall in points per game, even only playing in six full games, not including the first game he was injured and the last game of the season against the Cowboys in which nobody really cared what happened, so he didn't need to play. Mm-hmm. So he was 12th overall with all that considered. Now, yeah. if you only take the six games that he actually played in, he would have been the number two cornerback in the league. 17.75 points per game wow. in the games that he played yeah. fully and healthy. That's, that's pretty good. insane. And that's without any kind of you know return yardage in which a lot of those cornerbacks out there get some of their points yeah, from. True. And to top it all off, in those six games, he had 30 tackles. Some defensive backs don't even get 30 tackles on a season. <laughs> so if he yep. puts that into a full season this year and he gets 70 tackles as mm-hmm. a cornerback, oh my goodness, he is he's going to be by far and away the highest scoring cornerback in IDP leagues. So mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. Ronald Darby could be one of the best IDP cornerbacks in the season this year. That's very possible. And we've talked about cornerbacks and how it it can be a toss-up at times. But with Darby, you turned me on to him the, his rookie year. And when I started you know, looking into it and I picked him up and I started playing him and playing him, and he kept getting points, 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 points every single time I put him out there. He, he saved my season one year because I, I needed a cornerback and I wasn't getting one, and he was just continually getting it. Now, as far as fantasy goes, I, I, I got a guy that, that I like on the Eagles defense that not a lot of Eagles fans may know. Uh, if you paid attention to the draft, you might, but you wouldn't because he wasn't drafted and and that's this is the guy that I actually like on the Eagles I don't know how fantasy relevant he's going to be right away because he's behind some stellar guys in the safety position now his name is Jeremy Reeves now I'd keep your eye on this guy because he he's coming out of a a small college conference but he ended up not getting drafted like I said and it doesn't mean teams didn't want him he had almost half the league calling him immediately after the draft was over but you know what Reeves is accustomed to being overlooked. After drawing interest from multiple SEC schools, he wound up attending a mid-major. Throughout the draft, so-called experts said that he was too small and too slow. The 2017 Sun Belt Conference Division Player of the Year. Okay, and he—that's what I don't understand. I don't know. He was the Sun Belt Player of the Year. I know the Sun Belt's not big, Player but it's of the still year something. And not get drafted. How? And he wasn't even invited to the NFL scouting combine. Oh wow. Okay, so that 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 tells you that tells you something about this guy. I don't know. I don't get it, but he's accustomed to being overlooked. So when the, when Reeves' phone started ringing off the hook. Post draft, it was unlike anything he had ever experienced since high school, coming out coming out of high school. And he he said the feeling of going undrafted, yeah, it hurt a little bit. But then it's kind of like I had another draft <laughs> after the draft was over, 
And he was like, are you, are you calling me? You're all calling me? So he was really surprised after the draft was over. He was getting all these calls. And I tell you what, when, when people, when you don't get drafted, yeah, that's, that looks bad. But obviously people know about this guy because almost half the league was calling him. So the Eagles have somebody, I think, maybe not this year, but let's, let's look into the future a little bit with Jeremy Reeves. And I kind of, it's not my ESP, but I kind of believe that this guy is going to be something special for the Eagles in the future. And they must think he's got what it takes because there's not a lot on the depth chart as far as safety goes. Obviously, Jenkins and McLeod are there. But if you look at their depth chart, besides a guy who was hurt last year and is basically our special teams guru, Chris Maragos, there's not a lot there. So the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year, Jeremy Reeves, has got a shot to get on the field right away, basically, if they play any of those three safety sets. I do want to point out his stats. I mean, it's the Sun Belt, so some of this is going to be a little exaggerated, but he had 70 solo tackles last year, 34 assists. So that's that's 104 combined. That is pretty amazing to me. Seven of them tackles were for a loss. He had one one and a half sacks, and he had three interceptions, which is still pretty good. But it's just like I really think this guy has a a good shot at being something in the future. And like you said, he could do something this year as well. Now, what I'm hearing out of you with all that you've said is Mm -hmm. he is going to be our defensive version of Corey Clement. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I, I said it last year. With Corey Clement thinking, well, how did he go undrafted? Again, how did Jeremy Reeves go undrafted? That's another question that you have to look at if you're on IDP League or if you're just a football fan in general. Keep your mind, keep your eye on Jeremy Reeves. Well, that will do it for our normal portion of the program. We've got a couple of ESPs that we'll run through really quickly. I will let you go first. <laughs> ESP. Early season predictions. My ESP today, and this is completely off script, guys, but it's just a feeling, a feeling I have about the New York Jets quarterback. And it's not McCown. <laughs> it's not Bridgewater. It is Darnold. Okay? And it's not Hackenberg. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to go there. But um, I think Darnold is going to be a really, really, really good quarterback. It's still a lot to know a lot to see, a lot to discover, but I have a really good feeling, and it, it it makes my soul on fire. It just makes me so happy to to have a guy that has a possibility of rejuvenating this team and making us not just a playoff team again, but a legitimate contender every single year, year in and year out. I am super excited about this guy. I'm, I don't want him to play this year. I've already said that, but I cannot wait for it. I'm, I, I don't know if it's a, more of a feeling or just me in general going crazy about this guy, like, ah, I got to have it. But I, I, <laughs> I just I really, really, really can't wait to see it, and I really have a good feeling that we could be something soon in the future for the New York Jets. And if that's the case, if my feeling works out in that way, He's going to be a big-time fantasy guy, too. So go get yourself a share of them right now. Hold them on your taxi squad, and he could be something either next year or the next year after that. But if he's something this year, woo, you really got something. 
So go get them. I'd say keep them on your taxi squad if you have a league like that. And just just kind of forget about it until something happens. And it might happen. I have a good feeling. Now, this could be the perfect storm for the Jets if Sam Darnold <laughs> is the guy. Because as much as Tom Brady says he wants to play until he's 45 or whatever... I really can't see him playing much more than this year and next year at the most. And if that's the case, and the Jets have a gold mine in Darnold, just like the Eagles did in Wentz after a year or two, they can spend their money and get some free agents in here and build a team while he's still on his rookie contract. And maybe, maybe finally... We can have somebody else as the crowned king of the AFC East for the first time in way <laughs> too long. I would be so happy to see something other than, unfortunately, on our July 4th episode, something other than red, white, and blue as the top of the AFC East. <laughs> I think the last time, and I could be wrong about this, I'm not looking it up, but I think the last time the, the, the Eagles, the Patriots didn't win, the division was when Tom Brady was hurt. I, I could be wrong about that. There may have been one in that span where it was like a tie and the Dolphins had the tiebreaker, maybe. But for, what, 17 years or something now? It's, it's, it's been... They've d- completely dominated the AFC East, and we've never had a shot. We've really, realistically, never had a chance to do anything except for the two years with Rex Ryan and, obviously, Sanchez. <laughs> but... But that was because our defense was so amazing. We had a shot then, and we got to the championship. And, you know, the Patriots didn't, both of them years. But that's it. I mean, that's the only times I can remember that anybody from that division actually had a legitimate shot of doing anything since the Patriots have been the Patriots. Yep. Well, hopefully you are right. Hopefully we can stop talking about Tom Brady very soon unless it comes to Okay, after he retires, where's everybody going to put him on their all-time greatest list? I'll talk about that. I want to stop talking Um, about Tom Brady (laughs) now so we can maybe see somebody else as a representative of the AFC in the Super Bowl and at least the AFC Championship game because I don't remember the last time they didn't make the AFC Championship game either. It's time to start bleeping out the name every time we say it. I, I think, think that's a good that. idea. Yeah, the, yep. I think from this episode, after this episode, we're going to bleep Tom Brady's name. Sounds great. All right. <laughs> My ESP is another one that I don't think will maybe happen this year, but maybe next year because I was looking at some stats, and unfortunately I'm going back to the Patriots. <laughs> Come on. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> But okay, go for it. I have a very eager feeling to see if this plays out the way I'm seeing a past tandem play out for the Patriots. And I'm talking about the tight end position. Because obviously we've got Zach Ertz wrapped up in a long-term deal. And we just drafted a guy named Dallas Goddard who almost yeah. looks like a Zach Ertz clone. I was watching some <laughs> film of him yesterday, and the guy looks very, very similar. And mm. if that's the case, we have two guys out there. Uh, maybe after Goddard gets a little acclimated to our offense, 
maybe we have a similar situation as to what the New England Patriots had when they had two tight ends in their second year in the league. And we're talking about Rob Gronkowski and, of Mm -hmm. course, Aaron Hernandez. I don't want to talk about him too much, but these are the stats. (laughs) In their second season in the NFL, Gronkowski had 124 targets. Aaron Hernandez had 113 targets. Gronk had 90 catches. Aaron Hernandez had 79 catches. That year, Gronk had 1,327 yards and 17 touchdowns. Wow. Aaron Hernandez, the number two tight end on that team, had 910 yards and seven touchdowns. That is still a... That's two tight end ones in fantasy. Yeah. That's, that, well, Gronk was way off the charts that year with 17 touchdowns. That's un, that's unbelievable. But yeah, seven touchdowns coming out of a tight end. And he's your second guy. Yeah, that's something else. So, what I'm saying is, the Eagles drafted Dallas Goddard for a reason. They didn't draft him to be a blocking tight end. No, of course not. No. So they're going to use him. Uh, I know they used Trey Burton. A little bit last year they didn't need him as much last year as I thought they might but man if they can do anything if if Dallas Goddard comes out in his second year and produces Aaron Hernandez numbers along with Zach Ertz doing his normal thing holy cow that is going to be an insane offense to build around because we still have Alshon Jeffrey we still have Nelson Aguilar wrapped up It, it I'm very, very excited to see what Dallas Goddard has. He's a little raw, but man, if if we get anywhere close to that double tight end set that the Patriots ran, it was just, it was impossible to stop. It didn't matter who was playing defense against him. One of those guys was getting open. I mean, that's 169 catches between two tight ends. They didn't even need a wide receiver that year. So (laughs) my ESP is maybe not this year, but maybe next year. Dallas Goddard will still be a tight end one on a team that already has a tight end one. Yeah, I'll I'll give it to you. I mean, I don't really know what's going to happen. And I I honestly thought the NFL was going to start trending in that direction after the whole uh, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez thing. I thought every team was going to try and get two stellar or just two really good tight ends on their team, but it just didn't work out that way. And I just don't think there's enough tight end talent to do that. So, yeah, that's that was by far one of the most outstanding situations that I have seen in the NFL as far as tight ends go. And I would love to talk about it and not be the Patriots. I would love it if it was the Eagles. So let's 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 make Dallas Gallert the new Aaron Hernandez. Uh, maybe let's not. That didn't, quite, come, that didn't yeah. come off the tongue. <laughs> that didn't correctly, sound as good as but, <laughs> it probably should have. <laughs> but yeah, he can be better. All right, let's let's do that. Let's he can be a better than Aaron Hernandez. And then hopefully between the Jets and the Eagles, we will have a total of two good tight ends. <laughs> and on that, we are going to end the show. I will uh, say, Happy Fourth of July. Yeah. Please, please, please do not do anything that Jason Pierre-Paul would do around this time of year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not funny when we all kind of get a little giggle out of it, but it's seriously, guys, don't, don't do something stupid. I mean, it's, it, it really is because 
not only can you endanger your digits, your fingers, you can endanger your life. So please be safe out there this 4th of July. All right. That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. Go give us a rating on Apple Podcast. We would so appreciate it. That would help us out a lot to get noticed just a little bit more. Uh, you can send us an email at fantasyfuelpodcast at gmail.com. And again, we have that number. We'd like to hear from some people. And that number is 608-492-3443. Send us a question. Give us a comment. Tell us about your draft. Whatever it is. And we will try and get you on the air. So again, thank you to everybody out there listening. And remember to stay fueled up this fantasy season. Tom and I would like to thank you for listening and supporting us. We greatly appreciate the feedback we receive and love interacting with our listeners. You can contact us with any questions you may have or line up roster advice on Twitter at Fantasy Fuel, Facebook.com slash Fantasy Fuel, and Instagram at Fantasy Fuel Podcast. You can also reach us the old-fashioned way via email at FantasyFuelPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and remember to stay fueled up this fantasy season.